0: Welcome back to Weyland TV News. The band has been busy in their desert studio, writing and recording a group of songs they plan to release as a collection called the Desert Demos. They are anticipating having multiple volumes. Members of the service will have the first listen to these songs, The service is Waylon's all-inclusive membership community, offering never-before-heard music, never-before-seen photos and video footage, a full lyrical database, and monthly intimate acoustic performances you can't hear or stream anywhere else. Warriors are counting down the days to Friday night as Waylon prepares for the official song and music video release for No More in two weeks on October 2nd. In support of organizations including Operation Underground Railroad, Destiny Rescue, No More, Unseen, Forever Found, and Rock Against Trafficking, Wayland brings awareness to sexual abuse, domestic violence, and human trafficking. The Warrior community has been busy submitting questions for Can I Please Speak to the Manager, watching episodes of Spaces, streaming Wayland World, and interacting on Thursday Requests Live with the band. Wayland TV is your all access backstage pass to all things Wayland, available only on YouTube. The Finding Our Way podcast continues with this week's special guest, Haas Wright, who's up next. This has been Alyssa Hoffman with Wayland TV News.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Finding Our Way, the official podcast of the band Wayland. This week's guest, world-class touring and recording drummer Haas Wright. Now please give a Wayland Warrior welcome to your hosts, Philip Belinsky and Mitch Arnold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Finding Our Way podcast, the official podcast of the band Wayland, with your hosts. That's right, it's me, Phil, with my best bud Mitch.
2: Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Mitch. You you showed up for the podcast. I know. Dude. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. This Thanks. is uh, this is this is pretty cool. We're making progress. Yeah, we are. I mean, this is the beginning of this. I just want to say, what a great job you do bringing it in. Congratulations. Wow, thanks, man. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a big deal. You sound like a really a real podcast guy.
1: Really? Yeah. I, I've only listened to a couple podcasts in my life. So see, I'm a big I'm a I, big
2: podcast listener. I know you
1: are. You know, know I, so so, the bar has been set high.
2: Yeah. And and I can already tell you're you're just gonna keep getting better at it, which is cool. <laughs> I can only hope. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I can only hope. Uh so here we are. It's Saturday morning in the desert house. Out here in Joshua Tree, California, we're sitting in our studio that we built, which is a beautiful feeling. We were in here late last night. And we've been in many hours the last few days, which has
2: been amazing.
1: Last night was a really special night because, um, well, before I get into it, I'm going to go ahead and bring in our guest today. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Haas Arena coming in here. Haas, how are you, man? Awesome, man.
3: Welcome to the desert. Thanks, man. It's awesome to be here. The studio's beautiful. Looks so awesome in here. It was fun bringing you in yeah, last night. Yeah, it
2: was. I, like, I was doing some other things out, out back, and I was so afraid that Phil was going to come in and show you the studio without me. So <laughs> I was like, you know, like, hey, just give me two minutes, and then we can go into the studio. You, you were the doing?
1: grill master last night. Yeah, I was, grill, yeah. Grill master general in the house. Yes, yes. Well, we had the chicken, steak, eggplant, corn. We killed it. Yeah, That's thank cool. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yummy. Yeah, it so, was yummy. good. Good dinner. So, Hoss, um, it's funny because... We knew you would appreciate this room because we have been in many rooms together. Absolutely, over the last twenty years. That's I think. right. It's around twenty. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just want to. I want to. I, I want to get into your story, but I. I want to talk about the history of getting to know you because we were at a point. You know, we were living in Echo Park and we were rehearsing uh, downtown. I don't even know how we got to share a rehearsal room with. Your band.
3: I think it was just random. You know, you, it was. Didn't we answer
1: yeah. an ad? We answered an ad
2: on one of the the cork boards Could have been. Like there was somebody. It was one of the first times we visited Seventh Street.
1: What a, what a divine moment! Because yeah. through that, we met you, yeah. uh, Jesse, uh, the singer of that band, has become a lifelong friend and yeah. influenced. The, you know, so what a cool time! And I remember we did not have a drummer. That's right. We yeah. were like. Um we had parted ways with uh our dear friend Carl who had played That's with us right. for a while and um, taught us so
2: much like yeah. basically if we were any kind of musicians at the time it was because of Carl. Yeah,
1: I hope we get to have him on the podcast. I agree. Yeah. But we were we were doing this thing dude we were going to like the Rainbow Room upstairs open mic nights. Um we were playing every open mic the Pig and Whistle yep. in Hollywood every open mic night. We were on tour of Hollywood playing open mic nights hoping every to run into a night. drummer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you just felt bad for us. You're like these poor bastards. <laughs> and he said, "You know what? Let me just help you guys. Let me actually, let me just record with you guys, so you could just at least know what your band might sound like if you had a drummer."
3: I think we met in the hallway because our room was right next to uh, across from yours. We had another right?
1: room. That's right. Yes, that's, that's right. What it was. Yes. Your
3: room was across from my room. Yes, and I we forgot. ran into each other. I think going to take a piss or something. Yes, <laughs> you're right. I remember it was me and you I was like, in the this hall. This dude's got a sharp haircut. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where you're right. We ultimately met was in oh my that gosh, hallway. I
2: totally forgot about that first room. That's right. Hold that that's mic right. up to
3: your face. Hell there em. you go. Right, that's what it was. You're exactly that's right, what it man. Was.
1: Um, so then, the, so last night, we so we're we're about to launch a a cool thing. It's called the service. I I didn't really get to tell you about it last night. Mm -hmm. But it's basically something for our listener base that they can um, have a place to access our old recordings, Mm -hmm. old pictures, basically really get to know the story of Wayland that has never been told or released through our music. Yeah, that's really cool. And some of the oldest recordings that are going to be on there was a session that I had completely forgotten about that you brought up last night. Mm-hmm. And we pulled it up and we were, we had gotten a free recording session up at a college in the Valley. Yep. And we, it was like in an office. It wasn't even in a recording right. It studio. wasn't even,
2: it wasn't a recording it was studio. Yeah. <laughs> it was an yeah, office. Yeah. It was an
1: office. And we set up the drum and you came up there, man. Like,
3: yeah, thank my, you so
1: much for doing that.
3: It was cool. I brought my white kit in yes. there, my old white kit in there. It, it was cool. We brought a rug and set them up and did it. And so <laughs> last night
1: we got to listen to this and we just laughed our asses oh, off yeah. at that recording.
2: I mean, it, it, Phil was talking about it last night as well, but that first time that you were rehearsing the songs, it was a song called Whisper on My Shoulder, Whisper right. whisper on My Shoulder. Yeah. And, and the first time that we ever heard a drummer play our music, uh-huh. like, oh, my God.
1: It right? was a different I, level. Yeah. I, yeah, I just right, remember being completely
2: blown away. because I mean, all the work that you'd done in the past, how professional you were, how incredibly solid you were behind That's the cool. drums, you know.
1: That's cool. So... What was what's really special about that recording is it was one song that really does not sound that great. And again, uh, for anybody that uh, has a subscription to the service, um, you'll be able to uh, you can go back and listen to that. It's called whisper on your your shoulder or my shoulder whisper Whisper on my shoulder. shoulder. The lyric is my. No, I'll be 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 the whisper on your shoulder. Yes. okay. Um, That led that got us. We, we got that recording to a lady named Jackie, who I would also love to have on this podcast. Jackie is such a... I don't know if you've ever met her, Hoss, but mm-hmm. she made clothes for Poison and Motley Crue and Ronnie James Dio all through the 80s. Cool. She made all their all their clothes, and they were playing in the Sunset Strip. We, we knew Jackie, and she introduced us to a legendary producer, Andy Johns. Mm-hmm. So, like, looking back on this, things unfolded so fast. Yeah. Because this is a band that had never been in a studio, was all of a sudden in a studio... With Andy Johns, who had right. done Zeppelin two, three, four, Physical Graffiti, The Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street, Van, Van Halen, big Van, Van, Van Halen, Halen stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jimi S- Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix, Cinderella, Lenny Kravitz, Godsmack, in in Osco Falls,
3: endless, endless stuff, yeah, okay.
1: yeah. And so then all of a sudden, we ended up with uh, like two or three weeks of recording sessions every day with Andy, and we needed a drummer. Who do we call? Ghostbusters. Haas Arena. <laughs> Every time.
3: And that was a that was a trip in itself. It was, man, but it was a great session and we rehearsed a lot for those songs. We did a lot of rehearsing. I don't remember in the rehearsing, room. but I we must have. No, we did. We did a we, lot of rehearsing. We for
2: did. Him. So a- under um Haas's recommendation because yeah, we never that was, done because yes. Andy wouldn't really do pre production with us, and right. Ross was like, "Guys, if we're going to go in the studio, we really need to be prepared for this." So like, you'd come down twice a week, and we'd run things like, yeah. that's right." Spend that's right. a lot of time doing that.
3: Yeah, it was great. It was worth it.
1: So about. this is the producer that set up the microphones for John Bonham's kit
3: for Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, he I, did, I, he he did that with me. How did he feel, how did it feel to work with him as a drummer? It was incredible. I mean, to be honest, it was amazing. I mean, the guy's such a legend. I mean, he, you know, that Led Zeppelin stuff he did. I'm a massive John Bonham fan. Was he did he talk about that stuff? He, he did. I remember you guys kind of bonding in the drum yeah, room. Yeah, He did talk about it. Actually, when I was setting my drums up for the session, we started talking about it because we hit it off immediately because I play really big drums. You know, size-wise, they're mm-hmm. big drums, and he loved that immediately. So we hit it off, and we just—I had to start asking him about the bottom stuff. I couldn't help it. I told him, "I'm like, look, man, I have to just—I have to ask some questions. <laughs> I just have to." And yeah, he's was... like, "Yeah, go for it. It's all cool." Wow. And we just started talking about the miking of the kid and and, and stuff like that. And <clears throat> long story short, one thing that he did do that was trippy. Is when you put a mic stand on a on a on a drum, take uh, tom tom for example. Usually, you just take the mic stand and put the mic like right into the drum. Well, he would use the mic stand and reverse the mic stand and put it real high up, and then have the mic pointing out from the drum. Very different. Oh, and instead of pointing toward you as the drummer, it, it was pointing out right. right towards the rim. Towards the rim, right. But well, what was awkward is the stand would be in my way. Right. So the stands are in my way of playing, and I I recorded a couple of songs like that. It was a trip, but but I did it. That's you know? cool. Have you yeah. used that technique since? No, no, never. No. <laughs> not to say it's not awesome. It's yeah, cool, yeah. but but no. I mean the
1: drums on those tracks. We noticed it last night. Unbelievable. So for any again for anybody that has a subscription to the service and you're able to go listen to the sessions that we're talking about. Uh, those songs would be like a song called "Front Porch," yep. um, uh, "Wasting Our Time," or also known as reggae song. I believe right, at the "Time right. Fallen" was one of them. "Girl Next Door." Yep. Um, those were all kind of the Andy Johns tracks, I believe. Right, this
3: James. And they sound great. Listening to yeah. it, oh, listening to it last night was such a trip. It's funny. It was it was, awesome. it was so fun to hear because
1: I don't know. You know, you kind of learn stuff about songwriting as you go.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, but there's something really special about these listening to those four guys that knew nothing about songwriting that were all of a sudden recording at a, a big level with yeah, Andy. Absolutely. the songs are all over the place and right. crazy,
3: but there's something really beautiful about that. It's really yeah.
2: honest. Yeah, that's sure, for sure. Super honest. Yeah, and
3: we were playing live, too. I mean, we were set up, mic'd up. Everybody had their headphones on, and yeah. it was a live Yeah, there was know, not situation. much overdubbing. That's right. Because we didn't know how or what that meant that's right (laughs) and we we were rehearsed which is cool yeah Yeah. you know
1: and then uh i remember somehow we got a gig a gig popped up and we were like
3: "Where was that
1: laughlin nevada oh
3: yeah oh no (laughs) oh my god
1: (laughs) that was a
2: crazy two days man and you
3: came with us i did and me and pizzazz shared a room
1: yep we had rooms at the casino And it was like, you know, we were a band that had never been on tour. (laughs) So we got one gig, and we acted like we were Motley Crue on a world tour for one
3: night. Completely.
1: Just went ballistic. We played uh, played our show, (laughs) but then also, like, ended up playing some after party in a basement of a mm -hmm. casino where you almost broke some guy's drum kit from hitting it so hard. Oh, Lord. I can remember playing uh, CCR's Fortunate Son. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we did Hoochie Coochie Man, Muddy Waters. Yeah. And then probably our originals that we've been working on. Yep. Yeah. I I remember vividly doing "Cold as Hell" for sure because I sang yeah. that song.
2: Yeah.
3: I have a funny Dean Pizzazz story real quick. Yeah, For, yeah. for that hotel situation. Oh, I already situation. know what you're gonna say. I uh I had some soap that I needed to wash my face with. It's like special soap, and I I before I left my house, I put it in just a little tiny little bottle that had nothing on it. You know, it's just a bo- tiny bottle with the soap, but nothing on it. Okay. And I had that in the bathroom and pizzazz went into the bathroom and thought it was mouthwash and totally chugged the whole bottle and came out of the bathroom and the look on that dude's face, I've never laughed that hard in my life. (laughs) Bubbles coming out? Oh, man, there were bubbles coming out because he was just laughing and spitting and bubbles were coming out of his face. Oh, my gosh, yeah. It was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Probably anyway. uh,
1: because it um, involves soap, it was definitely the cleanest Dean Possessed story you could have told. <laughs> right um, so you are a drummer through and through. Thank you. I mean, I'm asking you, are you?
3: Yeah. You don't absolutely. do anything else, do you? That no, I, know I don't. Of. Any Anything else that I do is, is like percussion on, on sessions. You I know? think that counts as drums. It does, definitely. But I, I'll, I'll do that.
1: You know? And you started doing this when you were what? Twelve. 12 years old yeah how did that how did you get from being a 12 year old that wanted a drum kit to being a professional drummer
3: well when I was eight I went I was at my school and there was like a, a, a band playing on a, the sta- on the stage in there in the auditorium and I just saw a drummer up there playing it was coming through a big PA and it just you know, I'll never forget it. It was it's like it was yesterday. And it just the drums just sounded so awesome. I don't even know if he was a good drummer or not, whatever. It didn't even matter. It just the drums just sounded thunderous. And I'm like, wow. it blew me away. And a moment was, you were I struck. Was, I was totally struck. I was eight years old. And then I I knew right then. Wow. I literally walked home from from that thing from school, I lived right up the street from it and I, all the the whole walk home i was just like man i i, I have to play drums I have to figure it out somehow and then uh i just started banging on everything you know pots and pans <laughs> yeah. and you know that kind of thing yep. it's it's you know a lot of drummers end up doing that kind of thing but i did that too for sure and then you know school books and stuff and just would put them on my bed and just beat the shit out of them so and then um And then I actually, it was cool because I started sounding good at it, you know. It took a few months, but I actually had the rhythm. It was natural for me. And then my mom and dad would come in the room and watch me beat on these books, and they were like, damn, it sounds pretty damn good for books, you know. Really? And I'm like, yeah, you should probably get me a drum kit soon, you know. (laughs) So um, anyway, long story short, I didn't get a kit until I was uh, like 12. I think it was my 12th birthday. But my stepdad had a kit in uh, his mom's uh, house in the closet, and they were just sitting there. And I begged him for like a year to give me the kit. And they finally did on my 12th birthday.
1: Wow. So four years, you didn't have a drum I kit. I didn't have a
3: drum kit. But I, but, I, but I was playing. I was playing. And then I got to backtrack just a little bit because I, I was in BMX when I was a kid. I was like on a team. I was full on BMX Mm. rider and I had this kick-ass bike that was like my pride and joy. And then I met a drummer in the uh, neighborhood that was a really good drummer and he had this snare that was a beautiful Ludwig snare, but he didn't want to play anymore, but he wanted to ride bikes
2: Oh, so
3: one day, man, I said, "Dude, you give me your snare, I'll give me give you my bike." Really? And wow. we switched, and I it was hard for me That's to give a up the bike. That's a big deal for a That's kid. A huge it was, deal, because I was in love with that bike, man. That thing was my world. Uh-huh. And anyway, we switched, man. I took the snare home, and that was the beginning of playing real drums for me. So I you just, didn't even uh, have a drum kit, just a snare drum. Just a snare drum for <laughs> for a while, actually. Oh my yeah, god! For a little while wow and then when i got the drum kit it was just like oh my god it was so awesome you know but but it was actually cool to to, to beat on the snare for a while at first oh, it was absolutely. it was a cool thing to do you know and then I got, I got that drum kit from my my dad and and you know finally first first song i ever learned was jamie's crying from uh van halen really oh, that's the cool first one. oh wow i don't even know why it was just i was real into that record you know the Such first a great van Halen record, record? Oh. yeah i was so into it and and uh, i just love that record so i picked jamie's crying for some reason i think i just had the phones on and it came on and i just started trying to play it <laughs> that's cool yeah i was so. just uh working on um
1: ain't talking about love from mm. that record the other amazing day. yeah it's inc- i mean obviously everyone knows eddie van halen's incredible the whole player. record's yeah. just on fire yeah. every song there's so much information
3: the there. Way. The way he outlines chords—that's right? Mm-hmm. right. So is
1: Alex Van Halen? Is he? Is he the shit as a drummer? I've, I don't.
3: I've always totally respected his playing. He—I he mean—that early stuff is uh, so impressive. It is from man. the. Drums. I never really noticed. Oh it. my god! I always it's so think of guitars. When you know I think, the thing yeah. about Alex Van Halen is he has a swing to his playing. Yeah, um, oh. very much swing because him and Eddie both kind of come from the jazz world mm. from their father, and. Uh, he has a swing to his playing, which is not easy to do. And it's, it's natural for him. That's the way he plays. And if you listen to those records and listen to the drumming, man, it's, it's always swinging and it's a, not an easy thing to do ultimately. Yeah. So, and he's just the, he's the master at, at that. Wow. As far as I'm concerned, he is,
1: you know, one of the, uh, the first stories you ever told me um, I'd love to know how this happened is you had a major shift in your life when you were 17.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So so going back to that, a lot of things happened from 12, obviously, to, from 12 to 17. I had bands and you know, oh, okay. Leonard Skinner cover bands, all kinds like of crazy stuff. With kids stuff. in school? Uh, no, older guys. Guys that were about nine years older than me. Um, because I, is- ta- I taught myself how to play, like, really fast. And luckily, knock on wood, it was just real natural for me. So the people I ended up playing with were, were older guys that have been playing a little bit longer. Right. So, which was awesome. because yeah. I did, I did I the same thing lot. when I was in high school.
1: Yeah, I put up ads in Grand Rapids, and ended up. Uh, the guys were like 25 years old yeah. that i was playing with that's how it
2: which was i think
3: made my parents a little uneasy at the time i'm sure it did Oh, sure me me too for my parents they were kind of like well why are you jamming with these older dudes
2: culturally you know? it's such a huge gap you know right. there's yeah. so much else going on
1: for a 25 year old
2: but they were playing right. music
1: that i wanted to play yeah exactly like they were playing blues and and older you know soul music and rock and roll music yeah i wasn't that interested in like I mean, I love Smashing Pumpkins, but I specifically remember my friends wanting to play Smashing Pumpkins in school. I wasn't right. I just wasn't there for some reason. Yeah. Like that. I wanted to dive into older stuff.
3: Sure. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, same here. Really? Yeah, definitely. Well, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, so it's a it's a southern place, you know. And I grew up with Leonard Skinner and and, and Blackfoot and, and all those really like gnarly southern bands. Mm-hmm. And I it's still my favorite music. Still, like really. Southern Rock is, yeah.
1: I just watched the Leonard Skinner documentary. Have you guys seen that at all? It's on, I haven't. I haven't. Apple, whatever you can watch it. Um, oh my god, it's so inspiring. Talk about a band that practices. Oh, yeah, those dudes that makes sense practice day in and day out. Sometimes, like, and they'd switch to like just the drummer and guitar player would come in, then just the bass player and the guitar player would come in. Yes, everybody that's so cool knew how all
3: the parts intertwined so deeply. That's right, you know. Yeah. So inspiring. Yeah, yeah. Also, oh, going back to the seventeen-year-old thing, um, my uh, uh, my—that's when I first went on tour. And I don't want to uh, make the story too long, but a band came through my hometown of, of Fr- Richmond, and uh, I had been playing this club for a long time called the Hungry Fox. And uh, I was there hanging out, partying one night with some friends, and this band was in town called Bad Influence and uh what a
1: hilarious influence. yeah no kidding like 80s name oh my god we are bad influence Dude, these, yeah. these
3: guys were need a bad were influence. a bad influence they were for real <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't Seriously. just a clever name it, no <laughs> it, 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 they they planned on that <laughs> yeah anyway I, they're they're up there playing and it turns out they they want to get rid of their drummer and he's just you know not working out for whatever reasons and uh they they stopped from playing a set and and uh the guitar player, this guy named Bert. Me and him end up talking at a table. We're in, we're drinking a beer, and, and I'm like, hey man, I play drums and, you know, and all that stuff. And he's like, really? He's like, dude, you want to come up and play some songs? And I'm like, yeah man, I'm all down with that. He's you know he's like, yeah, you know this and this and blah blah blah. I'm he, he's like, yeah, let's do like two or three. You remember what songs you played? Uh, it, it was like Living After Midnight. You know, Priest. We played a couple Van Halen songs. I think we played like a Dawkins song, you know. Uh, obviously, all covers, but mm-hmm. that that whole thing. But I went up there to play two songs. And I ended up playing eight. Wow! The drummer was pissed, man. Oh. <laughs> he wanted to kick my ass. Watch his game float away.
2: He was huge. He was, I huge. Love it.
3: He was a, like 260 pound dude, man. You're and just I'm watching like, this kid take his job. Oh, I totally oh, was. And I, didn't mean, I didn't mean anything. It was man. your destiny. It was your destiny. I wasn't trying to bum anybody. That was out. your job. They, they just they asked me to come up, yeah. and I freaking came up there. Oh, this dude wanted to floor me, man. <laughs> and uh, that didn't happen, luckily. Yeah. So anyway, uh, those guys, uh, long story short, I hung out with them. We partied for hours after they played. It got to be like 4 in the morning. And, and they asked me if I'd want to go on tour with them. So this was Friday night that I met them. They asked me if i want to go on tour with them. They're like, look, we're leaving Sunday night from, from Richmond. We're pulling out of here. Would you want to go on tour with us? And I'm like, I'm just thinking to myself, Wow. All right, this is this came from left field real yeah. fast. I'm only 17. So <laughs> That's so sweet. And um but man, I honestly I'd done really everything I could have done in in my hometown. You know, I had a, a killer metal band called Black Widow that was like the biggest thing in in that town really at the time. So I really felt like I needed to get out. I didn't know how I was going to get out. I was thinking of moving to New York and stuff in like a year mm. cuz Richmond's like six hours from that. Yeah. Anyway, I never really thought of coming to California or whatever. So anyway, I told those guys, I'm like, I'll go on tour with you. If you guys can come to my house and talk my mom and dad into it. And
1: oh, you're bringing bad influence to meet your mom and dad.
3: Yeah. I mean, I was 17. I'm, I'm close to my family and, and I'm look, I, I want them to sign off on this. Right. I don't want to just you, disappear. Yeah. You want their support. Right. And they had supported me forever, And, um, Anyway, these guys show up at my house, my mom and dad's house, at freaking 9 in the morning next set, that Saturday. And I told them, I'm like, look, I'm just going to clue you in. My, my parents are partiers. They love to party. So maybe bring some, something for them, you know. <laughs> these guys roll in with a, a handle of Jack Daniels, the big bottle, right? and I think they had some, some weed or something on them because my parents were total weedsters. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I wasn't, which is funny, but they yeah. were. Anyway. They show up, and I can't believe it. They actually show up at the door, and I'm dating, like, two girls at the time. And, uh... And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to hang here. I just introduced them and brought them in. And I'm like, you guys hang and have some fun. And I went out with my girlfriend somewhere and came back like two hours later. They were at the kitchen table, and it was just booze and shot glasses and weed all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It was insane. They were, they, they were a bad They were a bad influence. Parents. I
2: know. <laughs> I cannot believe. This they was... were
3: wasted. And it was 12 o'clock in the afternoon. I had only gone for like two hours. Anyway, I came back, and... I just looked at him and I like I'm like uh, I guess I'm going on tour, and my mom was like, "Yeah, you can totally go. It's all good." Oh wow. my gosh, that's incredible! And and I left with them uh, that Sunday night. Uh, the the tough part was I was in a band, so I literally didn't. I wasn't able to give them any notice. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Get, I couldn't give anybody any notice. I just. I was gone, so I just had to go. Your two girlfriends you know? are probably still waiting for you to call. They, they, they were like... I called yesterday. <laughs> 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 like, where the hell are you, dude? <laughs> <laughs> what was funny oh, though? That's great. Is that, I so I I'm getting all my drums out of this band room. It's in a big old building in the city of Richmond, and anyway, I'm loading. Start. I'm. My stuff's on the sidewalk getting ready to go, and these guys pull around a corner, and this freaking Partridge family bus, full-on school bus. Really? It's black, and it's got, like, it's black, and it just has all this rock and roll stuff. Crazy ass stuff on on the side of it. This thing's backfiring. It sounds like <laughs> oh shit. Oh my god! Wow. Sounds like it's totally just this is gonna out of a movie. Yeah, apart. man. Yeah. It's so out of a movie, and they pull around a corner, and this thing's backfiring, and all this stuff, and I'm like. Oh my God! What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome but to rock
2: and roll. It was
3: it, yeah, and then it, we got my stuff on the bus. My band was there. A lot of crying was going on. And I'm like, I'm just going on this tour. It's all East Coast. I'm not but leaving the But they knew. Plant. They knew
2: things had changed for you. Right. They knew but, it. You know, and they knew right. that you weren't coming back.
3: Yeah, that's that's right. And and that actually didn't that's... happen. <laughs> I didn't come back. Yeah, that's what ultimately. I'm, yeah, but. It was awesome. I got on the bus and man it, it, what was that
2: like driving out of the out of your hometown what was that that feeling like
3: It was bittersweet to be honest I mean uh, more sweet than bitter mm. but leaving my friends that way uh, such a short notice was a little hard for me
2: did it feel like you, know? you were growing up in a way did you did you yeah. feel like this sense of freedom at all
3: I did I did, because I had obviously been in, in Richmond my whole life and worked my butt off on trying to get out of there playing music, mm. you know, for bigger, you know, yeah. bigger things. But, uh, yeah, man, it, w- it was cool. It took me a couple of days, you know, being out there to start feeling good about it. But these guys were older than me, and they're like, hey, man, we, we, we've got your back. You're not going to get in trouble out here, you know. They gave me five bucks a day to wow. live. I didn't need any money, though. That's still what we make oh exactly <laughs> I, some, some days i give mitch four I'm getting a that's true
2: thank <laughs> God, and i appreciate it every day
3: i'm getting a raise damn it <laughs> but anyway i toured with those guys from 17 until i was 20 and we just only time i'd come home was for christmas for a couple of days and i'd go back and that's it was weird, all because there's it, not
1: a lot of touring cover bands anymore
3: right right this band w- would pull into a club and we would play there for five nights. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. We'd play four sets, four 45-minute sets each night, and we'd be there for five nights. It was cool. It, it turned into a big party because doing that, everybody's there and they're partying just every night because wow. you're not yeah. leaving. Mm-hmm. Right. You're there. So, man, I don't know. Long story short, it was it was such a great thing. And playing drums that much, yeah. I really cut my teeth on, I on drumming. You know? And that's what really took my playing to, to a different level, for sure. And you just ended up in Los Angeles after that? Uh, yeah. Uh, that band broke up. It disintegrated. Everybody went to uh, AA. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Not everybody, but a few people. <laughs> and then, uh, so it broke up for about six months or so. We, were, we all went back home. And then two or three of the guys moved to L.A. And they called me up. They couldn't find a drummer out here. They called me up and asked me if I want to come out there. And uh, I'd never really thought about coming to L.A., but um, I didn't have anything going on. I was searching for my next band situation. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything happening after that. So I I just, you know, I'm like, yeah, bring me out and just, you know, you got to put me up and, you know, I don't want to come out there and freaking suffer hardcore right now. So just, you know, take care of me and just at least till I get going out there. And uh, I'm like, you guys going to fly me out? They're like, no, man, we're putting you on a Greyhound bus. Oh my I'm like, oh, oh my What is that, a two-week
1: trip on a Greyhound? It was
3: four days and four nights. Oh. I think it's gotten longer than that now. Ooh. I didn't have cases for my drums at the time. I had a big black kit that had giant kick drums, a 28 and a 26 are huge. So you had two kick drums? Two kick drums. And you drums just
1: put it all the in the bay of
3: the bus? I put them in the bay of the bus, oh. but I took them all apart and put the drums inside of each other. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I put them in washing machine boxes. Whoa. And I and then I threw my clothes in there also to around to, it around it, <laughs> and that would never happen now. Of course, they they wouldn't take them on the bus, mm-hmm. but they let the damn drums. They let me do it. Holy cow! It was insane. I got the drums out there four days later. Uh, that's brutal. It was brutal. That's brutal. It was a gnarly. The smells
2: way. alone are just like wow. Oh god! Yeah.
3: And the bus would stop. It would bus would go. The bus would go 20 miles down this country-ass street to pick up one person on the side of the road. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Richmond, Virginia to Los Angeles on a greyhound. Yeah. It was a nightmare. And <laughs> then I got here to downtown L.A., <laughs> and I looked around. I got out of the bus. I looked around, and I'm like, man, I'm going to get back on this bus. I'm going fucking back home. This place looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Where did they drop you off It at? was just the bus station downtown, but it was like, I yeah, got I'm outside sure, of yeah. it and I looked around. And I'm like, it wasn't pretty. You right. know what I mean? Downtown but,
2: at the time. That's I, right. Yeah, at, at the not, time. That's was right. Was not pretty. Yeah, it's, it's different now. It's very different
3: now. Right. That's that's right. But um, yeah, and we're you know you're used to seeing Hollywood and all that stuff on TV, right? It looks pretty. It looks great. Tinseltown. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm like. Since then, you've you've toured the world. I have. Yeah. A you were lot, telling us actually. about that
1: band Judd. You guys were signed in Berlin. You recorded there.
3: Yeah, I, I, I won't make the story too long with Judd, but Judd was a three-piece band. Uh, uh, me, uh, da- singer named Dave Clemens, he play- sang and played guitar. My bass player was Steve Cordray, and we met out here. But what's trippy is that we all grew up in in Richmond, the same town. Weird. Totally weird. I mean, we've,
1: we've always thought it was strange that I'm me being from Michigan and Mitch being from Indiana, yeah, which is not even the same town, right. but just that we met in Los Angeles, same thing. Yeah. It's funny how people find each other it's mm-hmm. a trip. without even
3: trying. It's a know? trip, man. And and that happened, and uh, we put Judd together here. We did a demo in a garage, and, and uh, this girl that worked at a label in Berlin, uh, we got it to her somehow. I don't even remember how. She fell in love with it, and, and we ended up getting signed out of this label in Berlin. It was called Via Clang, and uh, they signed us there. And, and instead of us uh, doing the record, the first record, and playing it over here in the States, they just had everything going on over there. So th- they, they, they just brought us o- over there. So we started touring over there, and, and uh, it was like 95, 94, 95 all over and it was just it was magical man it was such an amazing time it was really hard touring it was all van and a and, and lot of winter touring and it's freaking butt cold over there. <laughs> <laughs> was the language barrier uh, an No, issue? because the kids and the younger kids or whatever, the people that are coming to the shows, mm-hmm. they're they're speaking English full on. Right. And, you know. I did a tour in
1: Germany three months and I noticed the same thing. Yeah. Older people it was harder. But mm-hmm. younger kids they all want to know English and they yeah. wanna communicate, so yeah. That's cool. That's a beautiful place. It is a beautiful place. A lot of it reminded me of Michigan, a lot of, a lot of places there, because it was like, you know, leaves and hills. Mm-hmm. And sure, man. It's very, real green. It's very green. I've never yeah, been. I've, I've, I've always wanted to go to Germany. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, you know, just to fast forward, well, actually, from, from, did it go from Judd to Lomas? It uh, went
3: from Judd to, uh, no, it went from Judd. I played in a band called Amen for a little bit. Um. I didn't record with Amen, but I was just doing that for a while. And long story short, I ended up not doing that. It just really wasn't my thing musically. I, I got into it. The, the uh, singer named Casey, he's awesome. We're really good friends, and it just musically ru- wasn't really my thing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you know, this, we're we're buds, but I, I this isn't my my thing. And so anyway, that and then after Amen was. Was Low Mass Republic? That's when I put that together with Jesse, okay. and yeah. that's
1: we met you shortly after. That's that. when we
3: met exactly yeah. right.
1: And it's funny because you know you helped us with those Andy Johns things, which for us, um you were around when Tyler joined the band. Yep, because you knew we were looking for a drummer. Yeah. We had a you probably saw us with a bunch of drummers. I don't know if you remember there was yeah. a named Pure Rick that came down. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was, and every time we'd get a drummer, you were so gracious. But you would come in and offer guidance as far as helping them play with a click, Mm -hmm. get ready for a recording session, offer them suggestions on uh, parts to play for our songs. Sure. And so you became this kind of mentor to whoever was playing with us. And I know that you really put some time in with Tyler. I did. Really yeah. helped him go from a guy playing drums to a drummer. Yeah, we worked a lot in the room together. Yeah, you did. Even without a lot you guys of being there, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. spent a
3: lot of time with him. Yeah. Tyler's an awesome, awesome guy, and oh, and he's a Tyler. killer drummer, man. And yeah, he just you know, it's it's all good. But I had a lot of fun with Tyler because I mean, he, when he we was, met him, he was so young. Yeah, he was
2: so young. He Twenty was really, He was
3: really open to hearing what what I was what I was saying too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd get behind the kit and just play. And then I I'd, I'd just be like, dude, just you know, cop this, just play this, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was just he was all over it. That's so cool. It was really yeah. Cool.
1: So then we went on, obviously that those sessions and that drumming that you kind of instilled in him. Yeah. Ended up we ended up recording uh, that first record called Wayland that has songs like um, you know, she lights it up. Shopping yeah. for a Savior was on there. Right. Dirty Angelina. Um, I know that that really carried. The, the, that technique that you taught him really carried through those recordings. Yeah, that's cool. Um, which ended up getting us uh, with Ironworks and Jim right. Cole and all those guys, and which put us on the road. Right. They were the ones, so we went out on the road, yep. and we kept in touch with you, but right before we went out on the road, we get this call from you, and you're like, guys, we hadn't seen you in a bit, little bit, but you're like, come to this party. It's right over by where you guys live, to Mount Washington, uh, my band just went number one on TRL on MTV. That's right. Come on over. We're celebrating this Sunday. We're like, what? And you joined the X's. You guys were number one on
3: TRL. It was cool. Man. Carson that... Daly himself. Yeah. What right. a cool time. It was a cool time. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, I, that was. I, I love the X's and those guys and. I remember seeing you play on was, Craig Ferguson's show. Yeah, oh. that was cool, man. Yeah. Stressful, <laughs> but cool. <laughs> those shows were a trip, man. Those, those t- late night shows, when you play those things, it's it's like, it's all regimented. It's mm-hmm. a big deal. Cool. It's like, I mean, you're like, oh, my God, it's crazy. But ultimately, it's cool. It's just really it's trippy doing those things, but yeah, we did sure. that, and I got with the Exes. And uh, long story short, on that, um, you guys toured with like what, Buck Cherry? Yeah, we did. Uh, well, I was in Mondo Generator, so I got to go back just a little bit. Oh, I didn't know you I, were was, in I was Mondo before that. I was already in Mondo Generator before the Exes. I didn't know that, and that's that's yep. Nick Oliveri. Nick Oliveri from Queens mm-hmm. of the Stone Age. So I, wait, he had he had parted ways with Queens of the Stone Age and started Mm -hmm. his own band. Yeah, that's right, which is Mondo Generator. And Mondo Generator... Uh, had existed before I even did get with them. Okay. But I... Uh, and that band is based out of here, Joshua Tree, where yep, we are now, that right? That band is based out of here. That's cool. right. And um, so I have to go back a little bit with the Mondo thing because that's when the X's come, came is, is after that. Oh. So I'm doing Mondo. Me and Nick meet through this, uh, a producer that I know from uh, Berlin, this guy named Sneeby Sneeberg, awesome producer. He's What's chief. his name? Sneeby. Sneeby Sneeberg? Matthias Sneeberg is his real name, but he goes by Sneeby. Oh, okay. Awesome. But he's from Berlin, and I did a Judd record with him. Ah. And And uh, so somehow him and Nick hook up, and so I'd already recorded with Sneeby a lot, so we knew each other. And he, him and Nick hooked up, and they didn't have a drummer to play on the stuff, so Sneeby calls me. He's like, hey, man, I got Nick Oliveri in the studio, and do you want to come down and play you know, some drums? And Were I'm you already like, aware of Nick and his work? Uh, from Queens for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm a Mass Queens fan. I love those guys. I love the music. I love the desert music, you know. And um, so anyway, I go to the studio. I drive down there, and me and Nick meet. We hit it off immediately. And I just get behind the kit and start banging stuff out with them, and and I do the record. And the record's called Dead Planet, and that Mondo Generator record is the first record that is nick away from queens oh okay. so that was his first you know record being away from the Queens. so i'm on that record and um and then i just start touring with mondo i'm in that band
1: and it's like point. all
3: over the world all over yeah. i remember you saying you're well we n- not japan and a few different places like that but europe and here and you know all a lot a lot mm-hmm. of places for sure it- I I guess I didn't, I had no idea that was before the X's. That was before the X's. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so
1: then when did they come about? Uh, All of a sudden you went from touring with Nick Alvarez to TRL? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. (laughs)
3: Yeah. So I was, uh, uh, so I was in London and it was the end of a Mondo tour. We were coming home the next morning and I get a call from a friend of mine. I kind of forget his name right now, but a guitar player friend of mine, and he was friends with Scott from the X's, right? Scott the singer. Those guitar Scott players Scott are so forgettable. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so he, uh, my buddy calls me, and I'm, he he reaches me somehow through the hotel phone. I'm in London getting ready to fly home. And uh, he's like, dude, I have some friends in, in this band called the X's, and they need a drummer, like, right now. They're going on tour in, like, two and a half weeks. And I'm like, Okay, well let's can we just talk when I get home? I'm coming home tomorrow. You know, I'm not really I'm kind of burnt, man. I'm, yeah, yeah. I've been not t- jumping on my butt <laughs> off. And uh so and so I called them. We talked like a couple days after I got home. And then I got in touch, Scott got in touch with me, and then um we uh were on the phone for a little bit, and then and then um we uh you hit it off on the phone, and long story short, I you know I learned like four songs from Xy stuff. Went to their rehearsal room in the valley, jammed with them, and it was it was great. Really, it was all it was on for sure. I mean, so they, Scott, they offered it Freddie. to me right then. You know, Scott, Freddie, and Chris,
1: and Freddie is now he's now
3: with uh, Everclear. Everclear, yeah. we played a show with them in yeah. uh,
1: Madison, Wisconsin.
3: Those guys are awesome. Uh, like two years ago, and it was like, hey, Freddie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Freddie's freaking amazing all those guys are awesome man we're, Scott we're went on bros. to write a bunch of songs for Shinedown's records yeah man then. Scott's been writing for a lot of people he's, he's an amazing songwriter absolutely what a cool group of people it was man and we, yeah we we toured a lot with Buck Cherry that's how I met those guys I only brought that up because we just found ourselves in the studio recently together with right.
1: Keith Nelson and that's you right. got he totally remembered you guys yeah small world yeah uh, who else did you guys tour
3: with Cause it was like it was a radio three days grace okay uh three days grace buck cherry uh papa roach uh, hinder too right and hinder too nice right and then um and then our own tours too you know the XC's had some you know some juice man some mm-hmm. stuff going on so it was all good you know so we did both mm-hmm. but it was just a, an amazing time for for me man that's Playing so cool. The, dude, we played big shows and you know it was just it was awesome it really was I can
1: remember uh, just talking to you throughout that. We'd check in every once in a while via phone and send funny text messages. And uh, and it was funny how every time we'd end up back in L.A.
3: Yeah.
1: to record something, it would be some random thing that we would need a drummer or, you know, and, and you'd come in and help out yeah. over all those years. It's, it's
3: super cool. Really cool. I was just really happy to do it. I mean, I've always loved the music you guys have done and – obviously still do it is we yeah. get along
1: pretty good we get along all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and most recently we dove in early last year we were uh experimenting well what was first was a hollywood sign or was it, i think hollywood sign? it was hollywood sign first yep and yep. so that was and i'm not
2: all right yeah yeah I'm not so all right so yep. hollywood Definitely. sign we had
1: written with jesse kingston yeah who you used to be in that band with low That's mass right, right. yeah and we needed to put it together to record and who else would we call Ghostbusters. Yeah. Houston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which kind of just started. Well, we were back in L.A. living. So then it kind of started uh, the conversation of, well, let's do some more. And we got in with uh, Keith, did I'm Not All Right. Yeah. Which you played great on. Thank you.
3: You did pretty good. I appreciate it. I got some yeah. awesome footage
1: I have not posted yet. I was in the really? room with you tracking. Really? I got to play with you while you and I. Uh, Filmed you playing, just, I guess, warming up the kit for Keith in the other room. Cool. Like,
3: I'll have to show that to you. Okay. Well, I think I said it to you not too Maybe long ago. Maybe you did. I think you I did. I said, hey, just in case <laughs> yeah. you don't forget. Or just in case you uh... forgot I can play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I already forgot that, so it's all good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and then we ended up uh, going in and doing the whole EP. That's right. With be the Lion, which is out now, as everybody knows. Right. Yep. And soon to be released, um, The Worst, and uh, what else is on there? How Long, No More. Well, no more was
2: later. That
3: was Yeah, a, that's that true. Was, that was last. That's the the last one, We weren't right. even going
1: to put drums on that.
2: That's
3: true, yeah. Turned out great, though. Yeah. What a great session. Yes, that was super cool. People are going to dig that.
1: Well, dude, uh, thanks for sharing your story, because I know that, of you know, we had a tour we were going to go on together. That's right. And so we took some band pictures, and we posted it. And everybody's like, who is this dude? And where does he get his hair cut? Exactly. And we, we just needed Super, to cut to... who is his barber. <laughs> yeah. <Super> yeah. <laughs> we needed to set the record straight on who this horse guy is.
3: Awesome. Well, dude, awesome. thank you
1: so much for being part of our journey. Because you've course. been a, a big uh, a big part of it. We yeah. have amazing
2: history together. We and I just really love do. it. I it's a trip. We love it. Yeah. It, sitting here on the couch last night and just uh talking Frushing, about and, Brushing my hair. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> running my hands through your hair and talking <laughs> about talking about our our old adventures is, and hearing them on tape, um, it's tri- just, cool. it's a trip, isn't it? Is it is a trip. Yeah. It's that a tri- was, that t- was, uh,
1: you met those guys, Whiskey Circus. Whiskey Circus. There's no going back. Oh,
3: man. Oh, oh you man. know what I did?
1: Whiskies. I was going to wrap it's up, but.
3: I, <laughs> whiskies.
1: I got, I got to bring up the fact that, uh, a really special thing about you is that you used to host, uh, these like misfit Thanksgivings in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And so everybody that was – because, you know, everybody in L.A. live yeah. is, is from somebody somewhere else. There's yeah. not a lot of – you know, it's, it's rare when you meet someone from L.A. Totally. Everyone's from, uh, you know, Michigan or Ohio pretty much. Yeah. Kansas City. And uh, you would host these Thanksgivings for everyone that were not with their family, and it became kind of a family that were there, and we would get to know people that we would have never met. And uh, the coolest thing about that, it would turn into a party. It it's was fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. Know, I don't really remember eating. But uh, – when we were going around the table, uh, one year, you everyone was saying what they're thankful for, saying what they're thankful for, and you stood up and you said, "Fuck it, I want everyone to say something they're thankful for and something they're not thankful for that pisses them off." <laughs> <laughs> and so that's hilarious. Do you remember yeah. that?
3: I'm not too sure.
1: Well, what's funny is uh, a, a really close friend of mine, uh, John Merrick, uh, who hopefully will be on the, the podcast someday as well. He's a He's a he's a barber over in Asheville, North Carolina. Now we need to meet. Yeah, you, you. Well, he was at your he house. He could do for a great job <laughs> yeah. with your hair. He was uh, going through something in his life. Uh, his, his mom had passed away, and he came out with us. He went on tour to Australia with us, and he was staying with us in L.A. And he came to your house for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And he just loved that. And so cool. everything he he's put together Thanksgivings, and he's gone to Thanksgivings, and he always implements that yeah. at every Thanksgiving since. Wow. And he said that sparked such amazing, uh, not only conversation but like it's been an outlet for people where people. End, he was just telling me uh, last time I talked to him, people end up crying and and like getting so much off their chest right at the Thanksgiving dinner table because they get to say what they're thankful for and something they're not thankful for. Thank
3: uh, you know therapy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you started it. Yeah, yeah, man. So. Uh i can't wait to to see everybody out there that is you know fans of wayland and i'm very proud to be on this on this record and everything i've all always done with you guys and it's uh it's all there man it's all this stuff will lighten up and everybody will get back out soon yeah so that'll be cool there's
1: more music ahead that's right all good. this has been
3: finding our
1: way the official podcast of the band Wayland. Visit Waylandtheband.com for all things Wayland.